Welcome to the Real Marathon Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the best in film each and every week. I'm Rob Carraher. And I'm Danny Carraher. And it has been a very long time. Uh, our our intro kind of lies because it hasn't been <laughs> each and every week. Uh, yeah. But uh, it's been since August and we, we've just been really busy and we haven't we've been watching movies and but we haven't been able to find time to to actually talk about them. So today we are back with an episode um, about Steven Spielberg's latest, The Fablemans. But before we get to that film and the discussion of that film, I do want to talk about some of the other films that we've been watching uh, more recently. Uh, and I'm going to let you go first, Danny. I have a list of films that I have seen uh, mm-hmm. that play into um, what I call the real marathon. Uh, and, and so I'll talk about that here in a little bit. But uh, I'm going to let you open the show by talking about some of the movies you have seen um, in, in the last month. Yeah, I actually lied. I'm going to talk about three. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've seen this one, but uh, it's the one that I liked the least of the ones I'm going to talk about, but see how they run, um, which is the uh, film that is kind of, uh, you know, it definitely is a whodunit style of film, um, but it's uh, directed by Tom George. Um, I haven't seen, I don't think any of Tom George's movies before. Um, the writer is Mark Chappell, which I think he's written some other stuff. Maybe he hasn't, Never mind. But uh, it is basically a um whodunit type story that definitely is very meta uh because it's all about the a play that's being produced that is a agatha christie play and um there's some elements and sequences that i really like but i ultimately was pretty disappointed with the overall movie um i think that it has a pretty good cast with Sam Rockwell, Saoirse Ronan. Um, the Adrian Brody plays a, a role in the movie. And uh, it's just disappointing because I like all those actors a lot. And especially Saoirse Ronan, I think she's probably one of the best actresses working today. And I wish that she was in something a little bit more substantial this year. But um, if you like whodunit movies... Um, I would definitely suggest checking that out. Um, The next movie that I watched that uh, I enjoyed quite a bit um, was The Menu. Came out uh, this year as well. And that's a very bizarre concept of these people that pay a bunch of money to eat an exclusive menu hosted by um, this famous chef played by Ray Fiennes. And it is really bizarre. I It's a, one that I, I would struggle saying anybody would like it because it's definitely got some strange elements to it. Have you seen the menu? I haven't seen it. I have not okay. seen it. Um, okay. I, it is, it is a, a movie that I, I plan on seeing. And when it, I, I presume, well, I don't know that it's even in theaters anymore, but uh, yeah, I was kind of waiting to, till it comes to one of the streaming services or video on demand. Um, but I know that this is a a movie that is maybe getting at least um, some awards play in terms of the screenplay. That's kind of the where it's been talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, um, it, it seems like it kind of is on the outside <laughs> looking in a little bit. 
it's a pretty strange screenplay and i think that's the originality of it is probably what is at play i don't know that i think uh, i'm i'm not sure it kind it actually is able to accomplish what it sets out to accomplish exactly but i really did like the performances and it's very it's really pretty funny actually even though it's pretty dark at the same time um, is it but is it who done it esque not really i, I oh, think okay. i would i would compare it more to like um I don't know. It's it's almost as if uh, Wes Anderson tried to make a horror movie, not in the way that it's shot, but just in the way that it, it's set the up quirk, and the, the quirkiness quirk- of it. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, and yeah, I I I think another thing. I, I think the cinematography is actually pretty good in that movie. Um, it is. Uh, a lot of it takes place in one room for the most part, and you get to know these characters really well throughout this, the the film. And it actually, a good comparison or companion movie would be uh, Knives Out because it is kind of, even though it's not a whodunit, it's definitely like uh, surrounds itself around a core cast of characters and how they interact. And that's really uh, entertaining to watch but i think you should check it out i think i'd be really curious to see what you thought yeah i definitely plan on seeing it i think that uh it, there's enough intrigue there i think it has a really good cast um and and for for a director that really is mostly just done tv prior to this movie to score such a a great cast and get to do kind of probably one of the more original movies uh, that get has gotten released in the theaters this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, that, that to me is enough intrigue to eventually get a chance to, to see it. Yeah. Um, I ended up giving it seven out of 10 stars and I, anytime I can give a seven to a movie, I feel like that's a pretty solid movie. What did you give uh CLA run? Six. Okay. Yeah. 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 And six is where it, I mean, it's probably even high for that movie, but I, I, there were some redeeming qualities. So I ended up giving it a six. Uh, and the last movie, and I really like this movie, and I'm very interested to see what you think of it, uh, is The Wonder. It is available on uh, Netflix right now. It's directed by Sebastian uh, Lilio, and it stars Florence Pugh. Right now, she's one of, I think, the best actresses working um, along with Saoirse Ronan, but this is a much better movie than See How They Run. Um, I want to give you guys just the premise of this movie. It is the story of a nurse who is recruited to basically just observe a young girl in Ireland who has supposedly not eaten in four months. And the whole concept is it they this is a very Catholic uh, place and uh, their faith plays a big role in this. And they believe people in the community believe that this little girl is maybe sort of a saint or uh, on her way to becoming a saint. And the whole movie uh, grapples with the ways that we tell stories and what the truth is within those stories and also um, religion, science and journalism kind of play key roles within that. And 
there's a lot to say in the movie. Um, I think it, in some ways it almost is, it, it feels almost too big, but I like a lot of the ideas and that's what really compelled me in the movie. And I think um, just as a, I don't even think you necessarily have to really have a history with Catholicism to enjoy it, but I think that definitely is something that will be interesting to you, you know? Yeah. Um, and the actress who plays um, the young girl, I'm going to look her up real quick. Her name is Kyla Lord Cassidy. Yeah. Um, and she gives a great performance. It also stars an actor who um, I really liked in the movie Souvenir, Tom Burke. He is one of the most interesting, um, not super well-known actors working right now. He just is something about him is kind of sinister, but he's so interesting to watch on screen. So I loved um, the interactions there. I would say the things that I think um, I didn't, or I, I wasn't as uh, in love with about the movie is I felt like it was underwritten and it there just needed a little bit more um, more characterization for some of the supplemental characters. We spend a lot of time with the two main women, Florence Pugh and the uh, actor Kyla Lord Cassidy. And I would have liked to kind of work around and see some of the other characters more. Um, but then this is also a movie that was shot by Ari Wagner or Wagner, mm -hmm. who shot yeah. uh, Power of the Dog. The cinematography is fantastic. Um, I think some of the issues come more with editing and directing, but the actual shots and the compositions of those shots are really, really fantastic. Um, you can tell that it is shot on film and that plays a big role in kind of the, the experience of watching it. So I really recommend this movie. It's, it's uh, easy, accessible to watch um, with it being on Netflix. It might be a little bit slow at times, but I think it is very interesting. And from the very beginning of the movie, you'll be like, whoa, this is not what I was expecting. I promise you. Um, what'd you end up giving it? I gave it eight out of 10 stars. So right now it is, I want to say maybe my third or fourth favorite movie of the year. Yeah. It's my third favorite movie of the year. That's awesome. Um, yeah. This has been on my radar. This is a movie that I uh, played at several of the film festivals and I'm not going to go super into depth on uh, what exactly the real marathon, which I have constructed is at the moment, but you can go to the real marathon.wordpress.com and learn more about what that is. Um, the wonder is a film that initially I had as a qualifier for the real marathon. And uh, as it, made it to netflix its score went down a little bit so it ended up uh eliminating itself from being a qualifier um but now having talked to you about this uh i think this goes back on my radar um i i definitely want to see it before the end of the year i did not realize that uh ari wagner was the cinematographer um and i think that uh, <laughs> that that alone is enough uh, to make me want to watch it. But then Florence, adding Florence Pugh in there and Tom Burke um, with a story written by Emma Donahue, who wrote uh, 
room and that's that is one of my favorite movies of the last decade Mm -hmm. um I, I think that brings some intrigue to this as well. So um, I definitely am going to see this one out of the three. I think this is probably going to be my top priority. It's also the easiest one for me to see. Um, so before the end of it's, the year, I will get a chance to to see this one. It's also a pretty short movie. I think the runtime is an hour and 38 minutes or something like that, or an hour 42 minutes or something. Yeah, um, okay. So I, I that makes it much more accessible to a lot of people. I know sometimes long movies are tough to watch. Well, I mean, this year has been kind of a year of really long movies. I feel like there are a lot of the big time movies that have come out this year (laughs) tend to be uh, hovering around that that two and a half to three hour mark. And that's just people don't (laughs) give that. Yeah. Can I say one more thing before you share some of your movies? Um, I have not yet seen this movie and I'm curious if you have or if you've heard good things about it. But um, another movie on Netflix that's come out and I think it's uh, Germany's um, film that they're going to enter into the Academy Awards for Best Foreign Film is All Quiet on the Western Front. And uh, it looks very well made just in terms of the production of it. I know sometimes people feel like uh you know war movies are all the same and uh especially we've seen other world war one movies a lot recently i i am very interested in seeing this though because i haven't read the book i haven't seen the previous iterations they've done um but also just from the standpoint of it this is from the german perspective which is maybe a a version of world war one that i'm not very familiar with and I have heard good things about this. Uh, I heard it's pretty harrowing, as you would expect of a war movie, but I am really excited to see that. So um, there's tons of others that I'm really looking forward to, and I'm sure you're going to talk about some of them. Um, yeah. But that that's one I wanted to mention before we uh, move on. Yeah, I want to watch that one too. I haven't watched it yet. Um, I'm a little disappointed that Netflix got this movie because I think that they are dropping the ball on this and it could be a much bigger movie if it received the sort of campaign that this type of movie should receive it -hmm. seems like the type of movie that really should be seen on a big screen uh, because of the uh, visuals and the sound and so um, even though I haven't seen it yet everything that I have heard about it is that it is a, a movie made at a very high level with an incredible incredible amount of technical work uh that that will probably leave us in awe so if this is the sort of movie that you want to see um you probably should watch it on surround sound and like pick a good tv to watch this on because uh that i think that's the way that it's meant to be seen Mm -hmm. and i hope that it gets a really good push from netflix um for some of these categories i know that they they might have some other priorities this year but frankly if i'm looking at their their lineup of films this seems like it if they had a an appropriate push for this movie it could even make it into a best picture lineup um just because for some for whatever reason uh the academy loves war movies and right. uh really well made war movies and so this this kind of just seems like this would be right up their alley but mm-hmm. um i'll have to watch it uh it's another movie that i'll end up seeing before the end of the year um as we move into christmas break uh i'm, I'm gonna be marathoning a lot of movies yep. that i 
I haven't seen yet. So um, that is definitely up there. Um, there are a handful of other movies that are going. Bardo is one that's going to be on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, Alejandro um, Gonzalez in the uh, new movie. And uh, there's, I think it's a little more artsy, maybe slightly pretentious. Um, but I, I assume that I'll love it um, because of the visual spectacle. And I've pretty much loved everything else that he is. Also done. a uh, bio, autobiographical story as, as far as I know. Yeah. I, I don't think it's an exact uh, autobiographical story. I think that it is uh inspired by his upbringing but i don't think that it is telling his story Mm -hmm. um and once again i we're we're gonna have to see it to truly kind of understand what he's doing here um but at first this kind that movie kind of got uh attacked and now it seems like it maybe is doing a little bit better so that could be a player yeah Um, netflix also has uh, the sequel to Knives Out, which will be right. coming out uh, this month as well. Uh, and and you, did you catch that in theaters? Uh, I did not catch. No, I did not okay. catch the uh, the uh, theater run of it. And because I knew it was going to be on um, Netflix and there were just so many other movies that I really wanted to see. So, yeah. Um, that is another one that I'm looking forward to watching before the end of the year. Um, there are three movies that I I want to see. I started to watch uh, Moon Moon Age Daydream, which is the D- David Bowie documentary, but didn't mm. get all the way through it. Um, that's currently video on demand. Um, and I've heard it's, it, it from what I saw, it's all about kind of the the visual uh spectacle of it and it seems like it's really well made so i just got tired and had to go to sleep so i didn't get to watch it all um but uh i am going to go back and rewatch that um there's another documentary that you can currently catch on prime amazon prime called goodnight oppie which is about the opportunity uh mars rover uh Mm. and the exploration of mars it has this documentary has done fairly well um on the documentary award circuit thus far uh it won the best documentary from critics choice um which that's a big big prize and so that's going to be a big oscar player um and i'm looking forward to watching uh, that and that's on amazon prime um i've been focusing mostly my my movies on films that have qualified for my the real marathon and so uh a couple that are currently in the theaters um that i thought were both really good the first was bones and all um which is the most recent from uh luca guadagnino uh who made uh call me by your name and that one also starred Timothy Chalamet. Uh, Bones and all, Timothy Chalamet isn't the main role. I think that you could make an argument that um, he kind of is in the middle of being a supporting slash lead. Mm. Uh, but really, this is T- Taylor Russell's show. And I really, really love this movie. I give it a nine out of 10. Um, I think that it is absolutely beautiful from the scenery point of things. Uh, it is gory. Uh, this is a movie where if you are a little bit squeamish about blood and seeing kind of some gore, you probably aren't going to like it. 
Um, but it, the thing that I think is really interesting is that it balances kind of this drama uh, movie about relationships so beautifully with the horror elements and has some really profound things to say. Mm. Uh, and I just think that it's a very, very high quality movie. And if the Oscars embraced um this sort of violence a little bit more. I think this would certainly be an Oscar player. Uh, I think there are a few uh, areas where it could get in, potentially could get in with an adapted screenplay. This is based on a novel that I did read, um, which is actually a young adult literature novel, which is I think is kind of interesting given the, the content. But uh, um, I thought it was a really good adaptation of that. And then Mark Rylance, who is a support as a supporting role in this, uh, just plays a complete creepy individual. And uh, as usual, he does an absolutely fantastic job. Uh, so, yes, this is has a little bit of awards overlap. Um, I think that it should have more. Uh, this is one of my favorite movies that I have seen this year. I can't wait to see it. Um I love Call Me By Your Name. I know this is not the same style of movie, but it does really, really um, make me happy to hear that it's more of a drama than it is a horror type story. And that that is interesting. There's part of me that almost thinks of this maybe, and I know it's not the same, but thinks about a story-wise similar to a movie or a story like The Road, where it is about these uh people that are you know relationship they're traveling together and uh the the setting or like the horror setting of it is really just background for the yeah. the drama that takes place I, I think that's an, a pretty good comparison um not quite the same but uh i i can definitely um see where you arrive at that yeah um so that's bones at all uh, the other one that's still currently in theaters that I really loved was The Banshees of Inishirin. Um, The Banshees of Inishirin is uh, a new film from Martin McDonough, who has had a pretty good track record of putting out some good films. Uh, Three Billboards, which was his last film, was nominated for Best Picture. For a while, it looks like it might win Best Picture. Um, and this is... Maybe not. Uh, I, I feel like that has had a little bit more to it. Um, the plot was there was a little bit more to the plot. Um, there was maybe some more goofiness to it. This is kind of an understated movie. And uh, I think that there are some hurdles to get over in terms of just kind of accepting the plot for what it is. Uh, more than anything, this is really an allegory about the conflicts uh, in the past for Ireland um, as they can see these conflicts happening on their little island of Inishirin off of the coast of Ireland, which I think is a really interesting context to put all of this in. And uh, really, this is just a film about two friends where one of the friends decides he doesn't want to be friends with the other one anymore um, because of uh, just his, the way he wants to conduct his life moving forward. And uh, stars Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, who both put forth pretty great performances. Uh, I think Colin Farrell has a really good shot at, um, well, he'll, he'll certainly get nominated for 
best actor. And I think there's a world where he wins best actor. Hmm. Uh, Brendan Gleeson will also get nominated. I'd be surprised if Brendan Gleeson ends up winning, uh, but um, he, he will definitely get nominated. Carrie Condon, who plays Colin Farrell's sister, she'll probably get a nomination for this and she's very good. Um, but I think probably one of the more interesting roles in the movie is uh, Barry Keegan, who uh, is has played some really interesting roles in the past. Um, and I think that he's going to be the sort of actor that we are constantly going to be excited to see in things because he's a little too strange to play main roles. Um, but he he's a great supporting actor and yeah. uh, his role in this is very important. Um, and I could see a world where he sneaks into the best supporting actor race too, for this film. Um, I think the screenplay has a chance to win uh best original screenplay in a very competitive category. Mm-hmm. Um, the cinematography is absolutely beautiful. This is going to be a movie that ends up getting nominated for best picture. Um, and I ended up giving it, giving it an eight out of 10. I'm also very excited to see this. I've heard a lot of good things. I've heard some things that it is, I mean, depends on your, how your mileage for kind of dark humor and also uh, just for drama, I think. And I've heard this gets pretty dark at times. Um, And so I, but I, that resonates with me. And I think there's a quality of, um, all of the Martin McDonough films that I've seen that he's good at writing dark humor, which is very much, he's not Irish, but very much in the sentiment of um, Irish kind of storytelling is <laughs> mixing kind of the tragic with the, the humorous. And um, I, I'm very excited to, to see it. Um, yes. Yeah, so we got that. There are a couple movies that are no longer in the theater, uh, but you can catch on video on demand that I think are big time movies. One is Tar, um, which is the most recent film from Todd Field uh, and stars Kate Blanchett in a once again, another uh, absolutely career defining performance. I, I feel like every performance from Kate Blanchett is this way. Um, and this is the sort of movie that when it ended, it, it it wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be. And I think that that maybe had a slight impact on the way that I, I took it in, but I can't stop thinking about it. Hmm. Um, and there are some, some really good supporting performances from uh, Nomi Merlant, who's from uh portrait of a lady on fire hmm. and uh, Nina Haas, um, which I don't know Nina Haas from previous films, but she's very, very good in this as well. Um, the thing that I think is probably uh, because the 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 screenplay itself or the story itself is not it doesn't have just like a ton of twists and turns. Um, it doesn't have a super strong narrative in terms of like a a story we're following the whole way we're kind of wondering where it's going for a lot of the film um but the dialogue and the things that are said um are are so well done uh the very opening 
it's not the very opening scene, but the the main scene that we get at the beginning um, is the dialogue in it is so well written and Kate Blanchett just absolutely nails it. And uh, it is my hope currently that this this wins best original screenplay uh, just because I think it, it is a really, really good screenplay. Um, and I think this is the sort of dark horse movie that could win best picture, but it probably is not going to. It will mm-hmm. it'll get nominated. And I think Todd Field's direction is exceptional and he'll probably get nominated for mm-hmm. uh, best director. Um, I think this is the sort of movie that we're going to see win a lot of critics best picture awards this year. Um, in fact, I want to talk after I'm done talking about movies real quick about the New York Films Critics Circle, um, which is one of the first big critics that has already announced their winners and this one best picture. <clears throat> so uh, it's definitely going to be in play. Um, I ended up giving this one a nine out of 10 as well. Hmm. Uh, I, I think this is a really, really good film. Solid. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. Um there is a, another one on vid, video on demand right now called Triangle of Sadness. Won the Palme d'Or. It's a comedy. Um, it, it it's good. Uh, I don't. I think that it's uh, probably not everyone's cup of tea, um, and that kind of creates some problems for it. But uh, I gave that an eight out of ten. Um, this is by Ruben Oslin, who isn't a well-known, uh, director here in the United States, um, but is very well-respected around the world. So, um, that, that is another one that you currently can see on video on demand, and I would recommend seeing it. It's a good kind of satire comedy, uh, about the wealthy and, um, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Cool. Might be a good pairing with the menu then. Yeah, it very well could be. Uh, yeah. Both of us are going to have to see the other and then uh, decide, decide. If it'll be a nice double feature. Um, all right, real quick before we go to the into our uh, discussion on the Fablemans, I want to just talk about two award shows that uh, gave out awards this week. The first is the Gotham Awards. It's an independent um award show and they gave their best feature to everything everywhere all at once um and that doesn't surprise me it's the sort of movie that fits really well into that uh kind of theme and uh so yes uh, that's going to be an oscar player um and they got its first win right out of the way mm-hmm. uh they gave screenplay to tar they gave the best documentary to All That Breathes. That's going to be an Oscar player. They gave the lead. They they combined their uh, actor and actress into just a performer, lead performer, and supporting performer categories. They gave the lead performer to Danielle Deadweiler from the film Till, about Emmett Till's mm-hmm. mother. Um, and so she's going to be a big player in the, the Oscar race as well. And then uh, they gave the supporting performer award to Kihi Kwan from Everything Everywhere mm. All at Once. Uh, and he is beginning his trot to, which I believe is just going to be the winner for Best Supporting Actor at the Oscars this year. So that's interesting. Was um, and then, like I said, the New York Film Critics uh, Circle, they released theirs. They're the first critics awards body to give their awards out and they gave best film to tar 
They gave S.S. Raja Moli, the director of RRR, uh, best director, which was an interesting choice um, that could kickstart something for that film, even though it wasn't India's pick for best international film. Uh, there's still a chance it may get in. They picked Colin Farrell for best actor for his role in both After Yang and The Banshees of Inishirin. They gave Kate Blanchett best actress for Tar. Uh, they gave best supporting actor to Kihi Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once. They gave best supporting actress to Kiki Palmer for Nope, which I thought wow. was a really interesting choice. Um, she's not really a supporting actress in that. Mm -hmm. I think she's more of a lead, uh, but they're they're campaigning her as supporting. So I guess good good on them for picking. That's a kind of inspired choice um, for a good movie. Um, they gave best screenplay to Banshees of Inishirin. That's going to be an Oscar player. They picked for animated film Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, which is a great choice. Uh, cinematography, Top Gun, Maverick. Uh, best nonfiction, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, which won the Venice Award, top award for any film, not just documentary. They gave the international film to EO, which is a film about a donkey traveling. And they gave best first film to After Sun, which is a film that I am so disappointed that I didn't see when it was playing at the film streams. Um, I just didn't get around to it. Too many movies were out. Uh, and I can't wait to see After Sun by Charlotte Wells. Mm -hmm. I'm very, very much looking forward to seeing that. Seems like right up our alley about relationships, uh, parent relationships, specifically parent kid relationship. And so, yes, very excited for that. So that's our quick recap of the the awards films as we have officially made it into award season um, and some of the things that the two of us have been seeing over the last month or two here. So um, now let's talk about the Fablements, which we saw together over Thanksgiving break. And uh, I have quite a bit to say about this. Okay. Um, so, Danny, do you want to introduce us uh, to the Fablemans and kind of give us some background on um, what what this film is about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is, uh, I believe, Steven Spielberg's probably 35th or 36th feature film. It depends on which ones you count. Some people don't count the Twilight Zone series as <laughs> or mini movie that he made, um, but it, this is a culmination of a lot of his stories because this is his uh, very, he's been very forthright that this is autobiographical. This talks a lot about how much of the story is based on real events that happened in his life. Um, the basic story of the movie is um, his experience as a child kind of becoming a lover of making movies and the movies themselves at the same time is covering the uh, separation of his parents um, which uh, took place over a number of years and was kind of this process that he knew about early, but then his rest of his family kind of learned as the, as, uh, the, the story continues. Um, this, like all Spielberg movies, is uh, very well made. It is uh, got some of, again, some classic Spielberg uh tropes it's about family um 
it's about uh, the main characters are all young people um and uh the parent child relationship or dynamic is on display and that's another big trope for steven spielberg um so that's the basics of kind of what this movie is um i i did enjoy this movie quite a bit i think we both said that there was things that we thought could have we we wish were better maybe but um i i think we're both pretty positive on it but i want to hear from you first since you said uh you had a lot to say Okay, so before we get into it, I want to know what what score did you give it out of 10? I gave it an 8 out of 10. I also gave it an 8 out of 10. I think that we're going to be probably fairly in lockstep here. Um, uh, I just I think that we have an appreciation for Spielberg. Um, I know you've spent a little bit more time with Spielberg this year, so uh, I think that this is the sort of movie that... um, kind of does a nice job of uh, giving some background to some of the choices that he has made in his career. Um, You talk about some of those tropes. Uh, This movie, I think, shows us why those tropes are a part of some of the films that he has made in the past and um, and why he is the director that he is. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... This 8 out of 10 is probably a little underwhelming for Steven Spielberg uh, because his floor is about as high as any filmmaker can possibly have mm-hmm. a floor. Um, you just you're going to get a good output from him in every single uh, every single movie that he makes. Um, but I want to first start out by talking about the acting, because I think that that is uh really the showcase of this movie is giving an opportunity to uh really see some great actors on display and uh to represent Steven Spielberg and his family um I'm sure it was an absolute honor for all of these people mm-hmm. um so let's start first with Gabe Gabriel LaBelle, who is the unknown actor that Steven Spielberg cast to play essentially himself, even though he is titled as Sammy Fableman, um, as kind of a pseudonym for Steven Spielberg. Mm -hmm. And I was very, very, very impressed with Gabriel LaBelle. I think Mm -hmm. that he's a very natural actor. Um, I hope that he gets a lot more roles um, because he just, it almost, it's a little bit, um, a, he kind of remind me a little bit of Michael J. Fox from like mm. back to the future. Uh, I kind of had a feel of that. Yeah. Um, and he, he just, he was very charismatic in this, this main role. Um, and it, it's sad to me because I feel like this year we have, uh, not a very strong best actor field. And I feel like Gabriel LaBelle should be in the conversation mm-hmm. and he won't be because he's not a big name. And that's just not how uh, the politics of the Academy Awards works. Um, but I, I really am hopeful that he gets some more roles as a result of this. 
Um, there's some scenes in this movie that he just absolutely nails in the way that uh, he he uses his facial expressions in the delivery of lines in the way that his voice quality um, is able to convey how he's feeling. Um, and I, I think this is a pretty uh deep performance there's a lot going on here for this character uh that isn't said and that uh gabriel mm -hmm. labelle uh conveys just through his absolutely beautiful acting yeah i i agree and the other thing that you know when you have an unknown actor and especially just someone that doesn't have a ton of experience sometimes that um, takes away from the viewing experience you start to think about it and you're like oh this this kid's not really with it but he's going he's in scenes with Paul Dano and with Michelle Williams who are really fantastic actors well-respected actors and he does not seem like he is overpowered by them in oh. any way at all I think that um, maybe that's a testament to, to just Spielberg's ability to really put an actor on a platform like that and give them uh you know, the, the room to be able to be on the same level, but I do really think he did a nice job and you made a good point that it, a lot of it has to do with what he's doing when he isn't speaking. Um, his ability to just, the, the way you, you can just see him listening, you can see him taking things in and a lot of, because the, the movie is so much about what the Sammy character, the young Spielberg character sees. I mean, what he sees is important because that's what ends up somehow impacting the way he tells stories. And a lot of it is from his point of view. We see things as if we're seeing it through his eyes. And so he has to do a really good job of being able to do that. Um, so yeah, I, I really loved uh, this performance and I don't know enough of other leading male performances this year to to say where it stands but i think it it deserves recognition at the least um absolutely uh let's talk about michelle williams now um this is kind of the performance that is most talked about regarding this film um there's some controversy about whether or not this is a lead performance or a supporting performance and so we can talk about that a little bit here um what would you I, say I so I honestly feel like you could go either way um, at the beginning of the film. It definitely feels like a lead performance. And but and I think we can maybe talk about this a little bit more when we get to the writing portion of this. Uh, but as the film comes to a conclusion, it kind of settles in for me a little bit more in a supporting performance. Mm -hmm. And I think that if they had campaigned or they were deciding to campaign Michelle Williams as a supporting role, that she almost certainly would win Best Supporting Actress for this um, just because it is a pretty meaty role. Uh, I think there's a lot there. Um, one thing I do have to say, and I think Michelle Williams is an absolutely fantastic actress. I I kind of feel like her character in this movie is almost more of a caricature mm -hmm. uh, and that uh, she's not in the same movie as everyone else. Yeah. Um, and that kind of took me out a little bit. She's a little bit too eccentric um, mm -hmm. compared to everyone else. And uh, that 
it, that didn't entirely work for me. And that's the main reason I think that she really doesn't have a shot to win best actress in a very competitive category. Um, but she is very, very good. I think she does some things that are um, pretty, pretty extraordinary. Once again, kind of like with Gabrielle LaBelle, we, we see a lot um, from her when she isn't speaking. Um, that that really tells us about who this person is mm -hmm. i think what maybe part of the reason that she is more of this character is in direct comparison to the paul dano character um who plays uh the father <laughs> and mm -hmm. they're they're just so so very very different and i think getting to see that comparison um is an interesting way to kind of take in the, the what what Spielberg is trying to say with this film um and maybe that doesn't land as well if she's not as eccentric as she is mm -hmm. and maybe Spielberg's mother really was that yeah. eccentric um so maybe it's not a fair um assessment of the character to say that she doesn't really fit with everybody else but that's kind of just how I felt about this this character yeah I, I'm gonna probably talk about a lot of other things other than just the acting here because i think that's what this character presents and the first thing is you brought up just at the end there that maybe this is the way that his, his mom really was and i think that is maybe a problem with this movie is the fact that spielberg is almost too close to his own life story to tell this story in a really effective way right. and it felt like he was he was casting it in a way that and, and not just casting it but directing it creating this story to really represent as authentically what his life was like and i believe this is how he viewed his life story but i think the problem with that is these little vignettes and these little things and moments and these different characters don't seem to gel together in a cohesive story the way that um, we'd like it to. And the other problem with that is that Spielberg as a storyteller isn't a, he is not realism. He does not do realism super well. Um, and I'm not, that's not a critique. I'm just saying like, that's that he's a sentimental, very dramatic storyteller. And so when you're trying to tell this true, authentic, real life story, and you have already a tendency for the dramatic and you have an actor who Michelle Williams is a great actor, but I thought that it was an over the top performance. Um, I, and maybe that's what you're getting at too, is it is a little too eccentric sometimes, but again, it fits the character. I, I think, I don't think that that's Michelle Williams fault. I think she played it probably the way that she was directed to play it, the way they I talked agree. about it. I think that, uh, it just ultimately does not gel well with kind of the more natural. I mean, you compare Paul Dano and Michelle Williams as actors, I think, outside of this movie. Paul Dano's typically, I think, a little bit more of a natural actor than she is. She's done some pretty kind of big, dramatic, meaty stuff. I mean, the stuff that she does in um, Manchester by the Sea. I mean, there's some like big moments in that movie and so yeah th that's kind of where I land with her performance I like it I think it's a little over the top 
but I, I just think it's that there's, there's a lot going on in the story that has kind of forced her hand in a way. Um, and so it's hard to read it and hard to assess it the exact same way. And I think to some degree that affects Paul Dano, but it's in the reverse, you know, that yep. he's playing a real reserved kind of flat yes. character. And I almost wanted more from that character. And maybe that's a writing thing, but maybe it, it's also a performance thing. Um, yeah. It felt, I, it felt like between the two Spielberg was trying to give them both even handed stories. But at the, in the end, I felt like we got so much more with Michelle Williams and so much less of Paul. Yeah. Dandy. I think though, that that speaks to the, the plot in how obviously, obviously Steven Spielberg related more to his mother's creative side um, mm-hmm. because his father was not that. And there's a line in the movie toward the end where I think Paul Dano actually gets to finally kind of showcase his, his good acting right. when it's just he and uh, Gabriel LaBelle. Um, and he makes a comment about kind of what he uh, has provided to his son. Um, and, and I, I think that that's Steven Spielberg's way of trying to give his father some credit. I, I um, think this movie actually does a pretty good job of redeeming his father in a lot of ways. I agree. But, but I think the story does that. I don't think the performances do it really. No, no, absolutely not. And it's because it's not about (laughs) those characters. Um, and there, this almost in order to truly let the characters tell us that or show us that, um, you'd have to make this into like a mini series or something like that just because you'd have to give much more time to, uh, Paul Dano's character. Um, and, I, I just feel like he didn't wasn't given a lot to work with here. And uh, for an actor of Paul Dano's caliber, um, this was sort of beneath him, <laughs> to be completely honest. But at the same and, time, if he was to say no to being Spielberg's yes. dad in a Spielberg movie, that would be nuts. So yeah, yeah, a- it, defi- it definitely was not belief beneath him this, at the same time. This this is a pretty, I think a nuanced performance. I think there are some things that he does really well that because we have every scene that he's in, there's other characters. We don't get uh, until that final scene with him. Um, We don't really get uh, just Paul Dano. Um, It's mostly he has to share with the eccentric uh, character that Michelle Williams plays or these children um, or what we can talk about Judd Hirsch here in a minute that uh, uh, his character is kind of a wild character. Um, And so uh, this is the sort of performance that it would not surprise me just because of the caliber of film. If this gets nominated for best supporting actor, obviously it's not going to win. But uh, I think, it would be, I, I would be okay with it simply just because I think this, it, it is a good performance. Um, and he does get his one scene that he, I think he does a really nice job. And um, it's just this, this performance doesn't blow me away. Yeah. And I think, and like we said, I think this has more to do with the writing than it does uh, Paul Dano as an actor. And um, we can talk a little bit about, um, Judd Hirsch here and I, I other than that we uh, 
I don't know. I, I want to talk about the writing here pretty quick. So what do you, yep. what were you going to add to? I was just going to say Judd Hirsch got a lot of, from, from what I had heard going into the movie, Judd Hirsch was um, being talked about in a way that I thought that he was going to be a major scene stealer. And it didn't come across that way. No. Um, I expected more from that. Um, I think it's a good performance. I'm just not sure that it is super Oscar worthy. And I think more than anything, that main scene that he is in, um, what makes it an enjoyable scene is the writing. The writing right. is uh, really good in that scene. And I think it's probably one of the better scenes. I mean, there there are a handful of really good scenes in this mm -hmm. movie. But from a dialogue standpoint, it's one of the better scenes in the movie um, because uh, the character of Sammy is getting a, a life lesson here um, in kind of a weird sort of way. Um, but honestly, if you ask me between the two performances, Paul Dano and uh, Judd Hirsch, which performance would I rather see get nominated? I'd still rather see Paul Dano get nominated. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, just because I think that there's something to be said about nuanced performances that mm -hmm. just do the little things well and not uh, are not based on uh, just great writing that, that puts you up on this pedestal. Um, yeah. And I, yeah. Yeah. So, and then the other main person who's in this is Seth Rogen. And I think we both agree that he was a bad choice for, but app apparently he was the first person Spielberg cast in this movie. Huh? Interesting. So, I mean, to me, that's just more evidence that he is he is making the movie based on what his real life experiences were. And I bet the guy that that character is based on is like Similar. Seth Rogen, you know, <laughs> and so and so that's why he did it. I think that that's probably what I mean. And so that that is what I'm going to talk about with the writing is you mentioned that that scene with Judd Hirsch had some of the best dialogue. Spielberg talks about I've listened to an interview where he said that that scene like it, the character is real but he said that scene was totally made up that no. wasn't based on anything but that's my point is that his real life experiences got in the way of good storytelling I think sometimes and not to say that the storytelling is bad but I think what happens is then like you said it feels like we should have this works better as like a, a mini series because the movie feels like little vignettes, you know, yeah. like there's a point where this character goes to high school in California and it sort of feels like it becomes a different movie at that point. Um, and then it kind of goes back afterward. And it, I just yeah. think that that in terms of the structure of the writing and in terms of some of the characterization, I was not fully uh, enraptured, <laughs> you know, yeah, um, is this the first time that he has uh, actually been, Steven Spielberg has actually been a writer on his movie or not? He's had uh, earlier films that he's been a, gotten writing credit. Uh, I believe Duel he had a writing credit on and he might have for even Jaws or something like that. But, but yeah. it's been a while and Tony Kushner is his ma main writer. Um, yeah. And that here's the thing i think that the dialogue in some of the situational commentary um is very very good in this movie mm -hmm. uh if you can look at it 
as scene by scene by scene and you're just looking at that scene and how that scene plays out in the way that it is written i think that that part of it is about as good as it gets yeah. um, i just i i don't think it gets much better in terms of that but i don't think this film has focus i don't think mm-hmm. it knows exactly what it wants to say And that Spielberg got excited about telling his story because he has these things that he wants to tell about his life. Um, But this movie, even though it's two and a half hours, was unable to bring all of those elements together in a way that was cohesive. And that, to me, was what was problematic. Is this Mm -hmm. a movie about the relationship between himself and his parents um in particular in particular his relationship with his mother is that what the movie's about or is it about him being a filmmaker right or is it about anti-semitism i i I don't know exactly what he ultimately wants to to say in in all of this and when the movie ends i'm left a little disappointed because when i look at uh, a lot of the other stories that um, people have made about their lives, I feel like it was a little more focused. They're, they're a little more focused and they had that one message that they really wanted their audience to, mm-hmm. to walk away from. And I'm, I, I just don't think that we leave this film uh, knowing exactly the one thing he wanted to say. No. And uh, yeah, it, it almost felt like it, it needed a, it needed somebody who was a real kind of objective point of view because he, I just think he was too close to the story um, to make it uh, as smooth and as focused as he could. So, yeah, I mean, and, and like for us to criticize Tony Kushner as a writer, I don't, I don't like, he's a great writer. I just think that it was a challenging story to tell. Right. And I think that, I mean, he's not, Tony Kushner is not going to tell Spielberg no when it comes to. But, but Tony Kushner is also part of the reason why the story was told in the first place. He he convinced Spielberg to tell this story. Gotcha. Um, and so, realize that. yeah, he he's, I mean, I, I think this is as much Tony Kushner's project as it is Spielberg's in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, overall... I think the main problem with this movie is the the writing uh, just because it doesn't have that focus where it needs the focus. Um, I think you're right that Spielberg is still a little too close to the subject and maybe feels um, a little too passionate <laughs> about mm-hmm. uh, some of these things to be able to tell it in a way that um, doesn't it almost feels like he's wearing rose colored glasses mm-hmm. and is putting it through this filter uh, in a similar way to how his film, because his films, all of his films kind of have this purity to them. Um, there's like, no, there's not really any rawness to a Spielberg movie, mm-hmm. uh, at least more recently. Like it, it, it is from the way in which they are constructed uh, to the way they look, they just, they, they're perfect. And uh, because he sees his movies in this way, it's like he sees his life in this right. way. And uh, it, it just doesn't come across, I think, in the way that he was hoping it would. Yeah. I mean, and that's a good segue into just talking a little bit about production and things like yeah. that. I, I think 
this kind of has that quint. I I noticed this probably for the first time after seeing the post a few years ago, and it's stuff he's been doing for a long time, especially since I would say the two thousands. He's he has a really glossy look to his movies. They they shine. They look a little misty. They look like they're in this world that's very atmospheric. There's light that kind of penetrates every moment that just makes every scene shine a little bit. And I think, and I think has, a lot of that is his connection with uh, Janis Kaminsky, who's the uh, yeah, who's the cinematographer here. And they just that's that's the way they do things. Mm-hmm. And I, at first, I used, at first, I used to think I don't know if I like it, especially when he's telling historical movies, because it, it, it adds this again, he's a sentimental dramatic director. He's not realism. So it adds this layer of just kind of, kind of spectacle to it that doesn't feel authentic. But I think that's the thing that in this case, in this movie, as real as this story is, it's ultimately kind of melodramatic. It's ultimately uh, a um, kind of, I don't know, almost soap opera-esque, you know, just because it's about these relationships, it's about coming of age, and it is these little vignettes, but I, I really liked that element. And then um, I think from editing in within scenes is really solid. He does that super well. And there's no. a sequence, there's a sequence where, uh, the Spielberg as a child character, Sammy uh, Fableman, is looking at footage, and he has had he is having this realization while looking at footage, and I think that is maybe one of the best scenes in the entire movie. And a lot of it has to do with the editing. A lot of that has to do with the the choice of um, overlaying that with the classical music that his mother is playing on the piano yeah and so i i just think editing wise that has that was a really strong point of this movie um i agree i i think that in general um the way in which i spielberg movies to me never have super flashy editing Mm -hmm. um they they just they're always done really really well and i think that he usually uses uh both sarah brashar and michael Khan uh, as his editors in a lot of his films um, and they do the editing uh, but <clears throat> so much of the way that he sets up a scene um, like you he he uses the camera to move around the room in a way mm-hmm. that uh, doesn't need as much editing um, a lot of times and that's just the way that he sets up his scenes like every scene is so clearly uh, thought out and that it, a lot of one take types of shots that uh, give us a lot um, and the, the thing about both the cinematography and the editing in this film is that they had to be as close to perfect as you get because this is a movie about being a filmmaker and if if those things aren't nearly perfect then the entire concept falls apart Mm -hmm. uh because this only works because steven spielberg is one of the greatest filmmakers of all time if not the greatest filmmaker of all time right so 
uh, to to criticize the cinematography and editing here it would be just silly. They're both just very uh, done at a very very high level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, there's uh, there's the moments too that I mean, obviously the movie's super meta, but yeah. the the cool moments a lot of times occur when you you see the main character kind of discover something about how to film something but that's also kind of being demonstrated within the movie itself you know and which which goes back to we're going to go back to writing and i think that's where we can give writing a ton of credit because that's a difficult thing to balance Mm -hmm. like it's not we, we see a lot of movies made where, that are very meta and it's very, very aware of what it is doing. And yes, there is some of that in this, this script, but it's not so in your face the entire time. Um, and until you start to kind of just think about what is taking place here, you don't realize how much of a balance uh, that that Kushner and Spielberg are balancing here and how they are telling this story and uh, recognizing that the way that they display this on screen is very, very important to the way that we receive mm-hmm. this, this story of Spielberg's upbringing. Um, and, and I, I think that that is what makes this movie special in the mm-hmm. end. That is what makes this movie special is that it, it writes kind of this this very thin metal line um uh in in being a drama but also being recognizing what it is doing absolutely and i think one of the last things that i want to say is just we've been talking about this is that the parts of this movie their individual segments of the story are fantastic Yep. You, I, I think if you analyze each one of those as its own kind of separate, I almost think that would have been a really good narrative device is if he broke it up into chapters, just because then it would feel like, okay, this is this segment of his life. This is this segment. And he does that a little bit, but it's not deliberate enough not. to to make it feel like this is a distinct new time in the Spielberg story. Um and then with with even though each one of those parts is great, it just the coming together of it didn't quite work the way. And it's not bad by any means. They they are able to sew it together in some way, but I don't think that it is as smooth and cohesive as it could be. I agree. Um, as I want to wrap this up, uh, I Spielberg always every the the way that his films like the the production um, in terms of uh, the set and the costumes and all of that stuff it's always so well done. Uh, he he's good at making period pieces where there's a feel that uh, looks absolutely beautiful, um, and he does that again here. He has great people that kind of put that together. Um, the the score was written by John Williams. Um, and I'm not sure exactly how much of certain portions of the film are his score or because there's some stuff with piano that's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if that's John Williams or not, um, because it seems as though it's a piece played by his mother. And so uh, 
the only time that I really, really noticed John Williams as the composer was at the very, very end mm. when he ends the movie with a very, very John Williams-esque uh, yeah. kind of classic scene. I uh, I listened to a lot of interviews and stuff after I watched the movie, and it sounds like um, John Williams made the decision. He said, I don't want to put too much score in this because I'd like for a lot of the music to come from her piano playing. And so they already had scenes of her playing piano that they'd filmed, but he decided, I think that they were going to just let that be the music of the movie for a lot of it, um, especially at the beginning. And uh, they Spielberg said those were all songs that his mom actually would play regularly in the household. Mm-hmm. And he said that the the fa- the scene that I was talking about earlier, where he kind of makes this discovery uh, while he's looking at this film that he shot. Um, he said, I, I think he said that's he remembers that's the song that was playing when he was looking at the movie. So, I mean, this is this is what I, I think is interesting about the, about the movie is it is uh, a pseudonym. He's, he creates some separation from himself, but almost all of these details feel like they were specifically taken from his life and put within to the story. And that adds a lot of really interesting elements, but I think it also complicates things for the overall telling of the story. Yeah. That's uh that's very interesting. Um the that that that's kind of the approach. Uh all right, as we wrap this up, um how do you feel that this film is going to play at the Oscars? Are there any categories that you feel like this is a slam dunk to win? Uh, is there are there categories that you think that it definitely should be in play? What are you thinking? I think that there's no categories that it's a slam dunk to win in. I think I don't feel confident enough about that, but I think in terms of nominations, we're looking at Michelle Williams for a nomination. I think it's possible that Spielberg gets this nomination just because it's, you know, a such a clear autobiographical story. Are you um, talking about for writing? For director. Directing? Yeah. Um, I think I think that he is going to win best director. Oh, you do? Yeah. And you think that's, that's the only one that I feel confident on is that he'll win best director. Interesting. Yeah, and I, part of it too is I I don't know if what what else would be in play, but um I'm trying to think really if there's any other category that I feel comfortable saying that it will get nominated. I think possible that we're going to get some maybe uh, lower line production um, categories that could get nominated, but I, uh, those are the two that I feel most strong about. Yeah, I, I agree. Those are the two that probably have the biggest uh, that will be most in play. I think it will get a writing nomination. I'd be obviously disappointed if it ends up winning uh, out of, I think this is going to be a really competitive category between uh, this, everything, everywhere, all at once, Tar, and the Banshees of Inishirin. Um, mm. I think all four of those have a shot to win that category. Um, yeah, I right now, this is the front runner to win Best Picture. 
I just don't see this being a best picture winner. Mm -hmm. I think it does. It it is a really, really well-made movie. I just think when you look at the types of movies that win best picture, this is not one of those movies. But I would rather see this win than everything everywhere all at once. I think everything everywhere all at once has kind of this edge to it where it has um, a wholly unique vision and it says something about a culture uh, that isn't always uh, accepted uh, in in the film world. And I think that that is a narrative that plays a little bit better for a chance to win Best Picture mm-hmm. um, than a movie like The Fablemans that has doesn't really bring anything new to the table in terms of what it is trying to say. I, I get that. I just think Fablemans is a better movie. I agree. I agree. I rated it obviously higher, um, but uh, I I could see everything everywhere all at once having a better shot at winning Best Picture than this one. Yeah. And so we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Um, I Obviously, I still think this movie is in play to win Best Picture. I think everything everywhere all at once is still in play. Uh, my pick currently is Women Talking. I haven't seen that yet. Um, but it just feels like that sort of movie. Um, and then I think Tar. I think Tar has an outside chance of of coming in and potentially winning Best Picture. Uh, right now, I think those are the four. Um, and I, regardless of what we had to say about it, we still give it a great score. I think it does uh, a lot of things on a very, very high level. Um, I would be hard pressed to find anybody that dislikes this movie mm-hmm. uh, because it is a very enjoyable movie. Um, and uh, it's the sort of movie that I don't know what I'm going to watch it a bunch more times, but I'm sure I'll see it at least one more time mm-hmm. uh, just to kind of revisit some of the things that I think are uh, done on a very, very high level. Is there anything else that you want to say before we wrap this thing up? No, just go see it. Let us know what you think. And hopefully we will be back sooner rather than later. We won't uh, take off four or five months <laughs> um, uh, and we'll, we'll hopefully be talking about some really good movies again with you here very, very soon. Until next time, have a great week. See ya.